We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. It was another thrilling day in college basketball. We have a lot to get to. Number one, Houston goes down despite holding a 15-point lead at home. We're going to be joined in just a little bit by Alabama head coach Nate Oates to break that down. We also have tons of upsets. Illinois went down at home. We just watched Arizona and uh, Arizona go into uh, Indiana's second home. Is that right, Jeff Goodman? Indiana's second home. What was the second like game for the Hoosiers, according to, uh, to to Goodman over here? We got to break all that down. Before we do, let me introduce the uh, the guys that I have with me here. We have former UMass head coach Matt McCall, who is now our field of 68 expert. He's our coaching expert. He breaks everything down for us. And we also have uh, former Arizona alum and current IU fanboy, Jeff Goodman here. Don't, don't put that hat on. Don't, don't act like you're now an Arizona fan. Just don't do it. Just I'm just, back. I'm back, can't baby. Can't do it. And while we're here, let me just, since we're talking about merchant t-shirts, make sure you pick up your headband Kerr t-shirt. You can find it field of 68 dot shop. You can find it in our merch store. We have partnered with Kerr on this. He does, uh, he does, He's a fan of the shirt. Let's just put it that getting, way. He's oh. getting a cut of him. He's getting a yeah. cut. Do you do you think some of the Indiana fans that he was blowing kisses to after he hit that three are going to pick that shirt up too? <laughs> I, I don't know, but we do have a we do have a, a shirt that's specifically dedicated to Grady Dick in our merch store that I think every single Kansas fan should go purchase and send to a uh, to a Missouri fan friend of theirs for Christmas. Listen, gentlemen, we're going to get into the Arizona Indiana breakdown. Uh, I kind of want to let the chat fill up a little bit. So before we do, we're going to do our toast of the night. Goodman, I am going to you first on this toast of the night. You're completely decked out in Arizona gear. If you don't go with someone on Arizona, I will, yeah, frankly. I mean, like, like, literally, I'm going to put the headband on, on my – the Kerr headband. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm giving it to Arizona and Tommy Lloyd because a year ago, we weren't giving Tommy Lloyd the credit that maybe he deserved because – Let's face it, he did. He inherited a lot of really good players. Ben Matherin, uh, a lottery pick. Uh, obviously, Tubelis, Kirk Kreisa, uh, Coloco, uh, Dalen Terry. A lot of those guys were Sean Miller's guys. And, and now 
little bit more of his team. He's still got some of Sean Miller's players, but Umar Balo has been unbelievable. And this is a kid that I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this, but this was a kid that Tommy Lee wasn't sure he, he, he was going to take to Arizona. But I think a lot of it, when I talked to him, he recruited him to Gonzaga. He didn't want to leave Umar Balo behind. It, it was as much as that than anything. He brings him to Arizona, not knowing what he's going to get out of him. And he's been probably as dominant a big guy as there is, not named Zach Eady. That that's that's strong. That's a that's a hot take from Jeff Goodman right there. And in what has been dubbed the year of the big by the people that wrote the almanac, uh, Umar Balo has has absolutely been awesome. He's 15 points, 12 boards, two assists, two steals, and a block on a very nice six for nine shooting from the floor tonight. McCall, who's your toast of the night? So Goodman stole mine because I wanted to go Tommy Lloyd too, but the only reason I wanted to go Tommy Lloyd was because of his wardrobe tonight. Um, he went with the quarter zip that also had the white shirt that was untucked underneath that I almost thought really created a turnover for Indiana um, in the first half where he was on the sideline and it's he kind of looked like he had an Indiana jersey on. They kind of snapped it to him and he caught it. Um, but you know what? I'm, I wanted to toast Tiger because he's back on the golf course tonight after a long layoff. In the, go ahead. In, toast in, Tiger. In the, I'll, in the I'll match. To I, get the, I get the Tiger shirt on. Uh, but I'm going to go Penny Hardaway. You know, loses seven out of his nine scores, uh, top scores from last season, and uh, really took it to Auburn today. Big time win. Um, so, you know, I'm going to toast Penny. Here's the, here's the Memphis Tigers and Penny. Well, cheers to Penny Hardaway. Yeah, I haven't even drank yet. Yeah, so my my toast of the night, um, I'm going a little bit off the board. We don't even have this game on the rundown, I don't think. Uh, but Miami was down by as many as 15 points in the first half today at home against a, a pretty tough NC State team. Um, Isaiah Wong brought him all the way back in the second half, finished with 22 points and eight assists, coming off of a game where he had 36.7 boards and six assists during the week. Uh, there were a lot of questions about whether or not he was uh, – deserving of getting a little bit more of that life while it cash during the off season. Or if you remember, they were, he, uh, he, he kind of, he, he did a little holdout, I guess we can call that. It's like a free agent holdout kind of a deal. Uh, but he, you know, he went nuts today. He's been playing like one of the best players in the ACC, which he is. And Miami is now 10 and one on the season. No one's talking about him. We talk, talk about how bad the ACC is. No one's talking about how good uh, this Miami team has been. So I will cheers to Isaiah Wong, who is the only guy that really appreciates the fact that if you get a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich on a bagel, you put some jelly on it, and it tastes good. Trust me. All right. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, I'm sorry, ketchup. Did I say jelly? It's ketchup. It's ketchup. It's ketchup. I'm, I'm losing my mind over here. I've had too much of this hey, Terramana tequila. Uh, shout out to The Rock. All right. Let's talk about Arizona, Indiana. Um, immediate reactions, Goodman. Uh, Arizona just put up 89 points on a team that came into the day ranked 12th nationally in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency metric. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I thought was obviously Arizona got confidence early. They jumped out to a to a lead early. And I, I don't think Indiana's bigs, they're just not used to seeing two bigs like this from Arizona, right? When you've got Trace and Race playing this way, and I thought a big key to early guys was, was Xavier Johnson picking up two fouls because they don't have a backup point guard. They dug themselves a major hole because they weren't able to control. They weren't able to run any offense. And then, honestly, Arizona was just taking it the other way and getting easy baskets on the other end. So that's how Arizona was able to build their lead. And then I really thought Trace had trouble 
Because what, what can Trace generally do? He's so quick. He's so athletic. He's so strong and able to, to really create matchups um, for himself. But he couldn't do that tonight because one guy was waiting for him at all times around the rim and making it difficult for him. So mm-hmm. uh, Arizona's really good. They got a lot of good play people. Like, their pieces fit together, right? You've got two guards in Ramey and Creaser that can shoot the ball. Adama Ball made three huge threes tonight. And then you got the bigs and you got the Henderson kid coming up. Like they just got good pieces. Yeah. And we haven't even really seen the uh the Boswell kid, the freshman, right? Like he may not. They, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they were they were excited about him in, in the offseason and he hasn't really done anything yet. Um, McCall, I, I want to ask you this because Indiana was a team that I thought was going to be good enough defensively to give Arizona some problems, right? I We've seen Arizona put up 90 in Maui. You've seen them put 100 on uh, some of the bye game opponents that they had early on this season. Um, but we also saw them struggle on the road at Utah earlier this year. So I, I thought, I kind of expected Indiana to make a little bit more of a game of this. What is it about what Tommy Lloyd does offensively that is so... It's so tough to stop and so tough to guard. Like, how often do you see teams with two bigs, one, play at this pace, and two, play with this much space in the half court? Well, I, I think, too, Indiana got in trouble in the first half when they kept turning the basketball over. And you can't give Arizona opportunities out in transition. But the thing about it that's most impressive to me about their offense, too, is how hard their bigs, Tubelas and Balo, have to work on offense. Someone's at the halo every single possession in transition so it's almost like it's a rule the first big down has to get to the halo whichever one it is whoever rebounds the other bigs down the floor and he has to get to the halo and then what they get into a lot of times in their continuity is some people call it bigs high i used to call it special but one of those bigs is lifting and now they're reversing the ball through them and they've got weak side pick and roll action and the other bigs lifting on the other side or he ducks in so those guys on offense they have to work really, really hard. I mean, they are demanded to run to the halo. If they don't get it at the halo and there's a pick and roll happening on the wing, then they have to sprint behind the three-point line and be the reversal pass to get the action on the other side of the floor. And, oh, by the way, then they got to sprint back and transition on defense and guard pick and rolls for the, the entire game. So, to me, just what he's – Tommy Lloyd's able to get out of those – those two front court guys are absolutely outstanding. They're terrific, but it's so impressive with what they're running on offense because that's not easy for those guys to do. And one of them's at the halo every single possession in transition. And when they don't get it down there, nine times out of ten, they have to sprint back behind the three-point line to be the reversal guy. And that can be taxing. And those guys, oh, by the way, are putting up big, big big-time numbers. The the thing that's amazing to me is that uh, you can be this effective on the offensive end of the floor playing two guys the majority of the minutes that neither of them can shoot. Neither of these guys shoot threes. And no, and, and they're it, running that continuity where they're sprinting yes. those bigs behind the three-point line. So he's trusting them to catch, look and throw high-low passes, reverse it, go into dribble handoff, sprint. Like that's that's a lot for them to do. And oh, by the way, they go for 90 plus against a team yeah. that was holding teams to 60 points per game. So you McCall, have let me ask have you shooters this. around them, though. That yeah, that's the difference. Arizona has shooters around their two bigs. They can't space it. Indiana does not. Period. Well, they had some guys make shots tonight, but my, I think what we saw not tonight true. was right. very specifically Indiana. With, uh, Arizona was just like, look, if Race Thompson is going to beat us from three, yep. they, they, he's going to beat us from three. 
And you would think, in theory, you can do that against Arizona. So why why doesn't that work? Is it just because of the movement? Is it because of how often they get into ball screens? Is it because of how quick the ball's going side to side? Like, what is it about what he's doing that just, I don't know, you, you would think, in theory, a team that has two bigs that can't shoot, you wouldn't be able to score. That's what that's the biggest question we always have. But you but know what the they can do? Doesn't, the ball doesn't stop moving. It doesn't and stop moving. Great, like, they don't, they're great. Those the bigs catch it. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly great right. at it. Like the teams, McCall, you know this. It's a lost art now to get kids to be able to throw a low post entry pass. Like Arizona, Kerr yeah. does it phenomenal, and the way they seal as well, angles, all of it. Like they're they're really good at it. Yeah, and yep. Kerr is a willing passer. Yeah. Right yeah. now, he's got to eliminate one of the two. I mean, you could probably live with maybe one of the crazy ones that ends up going out of bounds. But like the when the ball, it almost like goes back to when Lonzo Ball was at UCLA, right? Like I remember every single time he caught it, he looked up the floor and wanted to throw advanced mm-hmm. passes. Like how fast can I get this thing up the floor? And that's what Kerr does too, right? When he catches it, his eyes immediately look up the floor and like, all right, who's down there? Because he knows one of those two bigs has already ran. So yep. I, I just think what makes him so difficult to guard is – not just the movement, but it's the willing passers that are out there on the floor and how hard those bigs are working every single possession. It's impressive. It's impressive. Yep. So Goodman, you are an Arizona alum. You graduate graduated from Arizona in uh, on the six and a half year plan, I believe it was. Something like that. Um, not, you're not Van Wilder. The best Van Wilder. Van Wilder plan. Uh, but you are an Indiana fanboy now because your daughter goes to Indiana. And uh, if if I'm not mistaken, you and your daughter had a little bit of a bet tonight on this game, correct? And I believe we have a special guest uh, in the waiting room that has a, a, a message for you here. Yeah, we made a bet. Uh, Talia and I made a bet pregame, and uh, she needs money. So the bet was going to be if Indiana <laughs> wins, I would give her $50. Uh, but if Indiana lost, she was going to have to sing the Arizona uh, fight song, which is Bear Down Arizona. So I don't know how much you studied it. It's not very long, Tal. So you should be able to pull this off. I don't know. And and your your voice, we'll see. You haven't sang it. Go, lot. Goodman. Let's go, Talia. Let's hear it. I'm not happy about this. I would just like to put that. I'm wearing my Indiana shirt to show how unhappy I'm about this. But you know, Arizona deserved the win. So bet's a bet. Yes. All right. You're gonna sing it with me, or am I singing by myself? No, uh, I'm not. You know, my voice sucks, so I'm gonna let you. Oh, wow. You got to do it herself. You got to do it yourself. Cool, yeah. you That's a bet. All right. Should I do the claps with it? The big. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Do the whole thing. Bear down, Arizona. Bear down, red and blue. Bear down, Arizona. Hit him hard. Let him know who's who. Bear down. I didn't even know the words. That's pretty good. Good job. Hey, look, look. I studied. Hey, Tal. I will clap Tal, it over you. Tal, for you, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to oh. do a toast for you of your favorite, the, the Sour Apple. Yeah. All right? What oh. is that? Oh, it's so awful. It's delicious. Oh, oh, that's worse than Tal really singing. Oh, really not good. You don't think it's that's... good? Oh, why are you right. doing? It's all right. What it's are you doing? Good. All right, Tal. Love all you. Right. I'll Love see you Thursday. Me. And uh, we're headed to Lawrence, Kansas for uh, – Hopefully your team will perform better. I hope a week from tonight when we're in Lawrence, Kansas. I hope so. All right, see you guys. Love you. See you Bye. Tal. Hey, if you're in the chat right now, uh, throw us a like for the fact that Goodman drinks sour apple puckers. Yeah. All right. Like, can we, can we my just daughter. talk about that? 
for my dog. It's awful. For, you, what, what are you, a, a, a high school student still? Come on, man. Yeah. You, you need to step it's like it up. A, it's like a Zima. You might as well just drink a Zima. <laughs> um, all right. Before before we move on to Alabama and Houston, before we get to uh, before we get to this this Nate Oates, um, Nate Oates interview, I just kind of want like a top down view of what you guys think about Indiana. Like, are, was this was this a result of not having having Jalen Hood Shafino? Was this a lot of it? Um, uh, well, he can't shoot, kind of thing. Well, well, just so what's your give me give me like your your big picture take on on Indiana? Right, we were really high on them for a while. Then they lost at Rutgers, which is like everybody loses at Rutgers. And now they're like they couldn't score at Rutgers. They couldn't get a stop against Arizona. So like, what's what's the issue here, Good. I'll go to you first on this one. I mean, again, it, it, while Arizona is a to me a well constructed team that's put together well where the pieces fit, right? And that's kind of what you're looking for to me when you're looking for teams that can run off six straight. I don't think Indiana can win six straight, but honestly, who cares? If they can win four straight, they'd be celebrating in the streets of Bloomington. My daughter will probably be, you know, drunk somewhere, uh, who knows where in, in Bloomington. But ultimately, I think they're limited because they don't have enough shooters. And you're so dependent on Xavier Johnson and, and Miller Cop who can be a liability on the other end. You got to like, to me, you got to play Jalen Huchifino, but he's not a shooter. You added, you, you needed to add shooting to this team. And instead you added Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renew, and neither are really shooters. McCall. Yeah. I, I thought there was a possession in the game that was kind of just like a microcosm of what happened. Even tonight, Trace action Davis drove down. He actually got fouled, but he drives it into the paint. And there's three guys surrounding him. And there's two guys that are wide open on the opposite side of the floor. And it's like, does he trust those guys on that side of the floor to kick it to him? One, maybe he didn't see him, but they're there. Does he trust to kick that ball out and allow someone else to make that play? Because they're they're wide open. He's got three guys around him and he's in the lane. And trusting someone to be able to kick that basketball out and make that play I thought that was just kind of a microcosm of the whole game for them tonight. And like Goodman said, they're going to have to find some level of perimeter shooting. Yeah. Uh, their defense was not great, but you got you have to credit what Arizona does on offense. I don't know that they'll see another offense just that clicks the way that offense clicked tonight. Uh, but Jackson Davis has to trust his teammates around him. When he gets in the lane, trust to make the right play, find the open man, and those guys have to shoot the basketball with confidence – or it's going to be a long year even for him because They're he's going to get enough, that though. kind of attention. Listen, this is a really good Arizona team, right? Yeah. We're putting them up against, to me, one of the top 10 teams in the country. Is Indiana there, Rob? I don't know. I don't know if they're a top 10 team. We kind of put them right on the fringe. I'm not sure they're quite that, but you can you cannot be a top 10 team and still win the Big Ten this year. Yeah, for sure. There, there's no – we'll get into that in a little bit. There's no real great team in the Big Ten. I'm just going to play devil's advocate real quick for you guys. We saw Ray Thompson make some threes today, right? We see him shooting them and shooting them with a little bit more confidence this season than he has in the past. They weren't going in, but he's shooting them. He's shooting more than two per game now. Um, Miller Cop has been on fire the last couple of weeks. He's, he's over 50% on the season from beyond the arc. Tamar Bates shooting 42% from three on the year, made a couple today. I, I think that there is – enough shooting there to be good enough offensively my big concern with this team is there is no other initiator behind xavier johnson unless we're going to call jalen hood shafino an initiator and i don't even know if like he, he can be he, he can, can be, be. yeah the, 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 the lack of 
elite point guard play is what I think kind of will bring it down. Now, when Xavier Johnson is good, Indiana is going to be able to beat anybody in the country. Problem is Xavier Johnson is good about as often as uh, Goodman gives out proper bets that hit. Right. So that's, is that, is that, hey, I gave you, I gave you Kansas today. That's all I know. Yeah. Well, you also gave me Iowa, the uh, Iowa state the other day and we'll see how, uh, see how that worked out. All right, let's pivot because the number one team in the country went down today, guys. Uh, Houston was up 44 to 29 with 17 minutes left on the clock playing at home in front of a, what is it? The Fertitta center, the Fertitta center packed with 7,000 people. It was loud in there. It was raucous in there. They had one of those setups where like every other section had a different color t-shirt. It looked awesome. It looked electric. It looked like a great college basketball environment. Uh, and then Alabama playing four freshmen down the stretch came all the way back against one of the best defensive teams in the country. One of the toughest teams in the country and one of the most difficult environments that you can play in in college basketball and found a way to win McCall. I don't know if there is a, uh, a more impressive 15 minute stretch than Alabama outscoring Houston on the road, 42 to 21 over the course of a 15 minute run in the second half. What do you make of this Alabama team after that win? Yeah, I mean, I think, too, and I know we're going to get into the interview here in a second, but, like, how Alabama handled, you're coming into the game, you know, they're averaging 80-plus. I think they were, like, ninth in the country in scoring coming into the game, and all of a sudden you look up the scoreboard at the under-12 timeout, and there's 17 total points on the board. So it's a complete rock fight, right? So having your team stay composed and focused even when the fact that, hey, we're going up against a really, really good defensive team. And what I thought happened throughout the course of the game was if you look at how how Houston was guarding pick and rolls to start the game and just how aggressive they were, and you could see the corners were open for Alabama because that's where they were tagging from. Houston was tagging off the corners on pick and rolls, so the corners were open. The problem was when you're coming off those ball screens and the length and athleticism with Houston's fives, and you're trying to make that pass to the corner, it's impossible. But the commentators kept saying it too. Hey, listen, you know, Alabama has, you know, 11 turn whatever it was in the first half. And oh, by the way, they're only down one. So if they can figure out how to take care of the basketball in the second half and make a couple free throws, they're going to be okay. But just the resilience that those kids showed when it, it was a complete, slugfest and hey normally we're an offense that clicks on all cylinders we're ninth in the country in scoring we get over 83 points a game to just stay composed throughout the course that that to me was the most impressive thing they just stayed composed in the middle of that dogfight and um, uh, you know found a way to get a hell of a win we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can I give you the most impressive thing? It's nothing any of us saw, but I talked to uh, a couple people after the game that saw Brandon Miller's face as he walked off the court and as he walked out of the locker room. Brandon Miller is a high lottery pick, probably. He went 0 for 8 from the field today. I've seen players that won big games that had shitty individual performances walk off the court like this, with their head down, not happy. Brandon Miller was ecstatic. From what I was told by multiple people who saw him after the court, ecstatic, smiling, happy. Javon Quinterly, a veteran, didn't play a minute in the second half. He was telling the coaches, don't put me in. Keep keep Jaden Bradley in because he's playing so well right now. That, to me, is a complete 180 from last year's Alabama team and a Mm -hmm. key reason why I believe this Crimson Tide team, team can go deep chemistry they've got talent they have it they're they're just young and to have that type of of chemistry and brandon miller being that mature is huge for me yeah they they had that issue last year it was something that nato has brought up every time i talked to him this offseason it's something that he uh i remember talking with him after their the the 2021 season when they were top three in the nation defensively number two seed made it to the sweet 16 and lost on the you know the the thrilling overtime um on that run that UCLA made to the national title game. And they had guys on that team that would sacrifice their best player was Herb Jones. And Herb Jones was a guy that didn't, he didn't give a shit about like his numbers. He didn't give a shit about stats. All he cared about was W's. Right. And I think if you look at this team, you have a lot of guys, this is going to be a cliche, Matt, but you have a lot of guys that care about the name on the front of the Jersey and don't care about the name on the back of the Jersey. And, you know, Nate will touch on this in the interview, but you're, you're, you've coached for a long time. What does that, what does that provide? Like, is there like, what is, what does that change when you have guys that buy in like that on your roster? Well, that everyone, like every single press conference you ever watch when a coach gets a job says culture, 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 you know, we're going to have the right culture. We're going to have these core values and we're going to put these core values up on the wall. Well, the core values that you put up on the wall mean nothing unless every single person in your organization lives and breathes by them. And to me, when you, the, the situations that Goodman just explained, that's all culture. That's how you win, and that's how you win big. That's how you are down in a slug fight on the road and find a way to come back and win because your quote-unquote superstars are on the bench or they're not having Matt, you as saw good this of a game. With Al Horford. Matt, you saw this as, as a young, right? You saw yeah. this with Al Horford, did you not, at Florida? I saw it more. I mean, Al was always Mr. Steady, but I saw it more at Florida with Joe Kim. Yeah. In the year that he came back, when he should have, he could have, he shouldn't have left because we wouldn't have gone back to back, but he could have <laughs> left and been the number one draft pick. And we're in the national championship game in the second year. And now he's not no longer the number one draft pick. We're playing against the number one draft pick and Greg Oden. And the defensive assignment was, Okay, who has to stay on the floor for us here in this game? And Joe Kim's like, I'll grab, I'll guard Odin. Give me Odin, knowing that he was probably going to get in foul trouble. And he's standing there on the bench and cheering. And the year before, he's the most outstanding player in the Final Four. That's why you win. That's how you, that is culture. So when you hear all these coaches say, 
culture. This is our culture. This is our core values. If everyone that's not in that organization doesn't live and breathe it every day, then it means nothing. It means nothing. And to see those guys tonight respond that way, and Javon Quinley's on the bench, and he looks like a coach. Yes. He's cheering and encouraging and high-fiving. When, you, when you've created that, and there's going to be adversity, and there's going to be challenges when they get in the league play, and there'll be a bump in the road here or there. But, man, if they can maintain that, I think the sky's the limit for Alabama. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I, I just think there's so much parity. I think UConn, Rob, is terrific. Okay, so I'm not taking anything uh, away no. from that. We have to do UConn. I'm today. not taking it. But I, hey, like, hey, look, you guys are hyping this Alabama team up right now. Who beat them by 15? That's right. That's my point. I was there, no doubt. They beat There's they so beat. much parity. I mean, there's, I don't know, 10, 11 teams that you could say could be legit. So let me, let me ask you guys minutes. this. We, we've, we've talked a lot about, like, SEC rankings and who's the best and who's not. Like, Are you right now saying that you think Alabama is the best team in the SEC? Goodman, you go first. Matt, you go next. No, no. I'm, I'm saying there is no best team right now in the SEC. It's too early to tell. I think Alabama's got a high upside. Uh Arkansas without uh, Brazil, I, I don't know what they're going to be. I need to see them a little bit more. I still like Kentucky down the road, but they haven't, again, they struggled today against Yale. They haven't looked the part yet, but I haven't given up on, on Kentucky. Tennessee, I think, might be a step, a half a step back uh, from, from those teams. But, I, yeah, it's too early to tell with the SEC right now. It's going to be a hell of a league race. McCall, where do you sit? I think it's Alabama and Arkansas. I think Tennessee, those are the best three right now. I think Kentucky, like I talked about the other night on the field of 68, I think it's just too early to tell on them. They seem to just find a way to peak in late January, early February. Um, you know, LSU, Matt McMahon, heck of a win today. They beat Wake Forest. I mean, they haven't played the best of schedules, but they've won all the games they're supposed to win, and then they – you know, beat a power five and wake force today. So um, where do they end up? But I, I think the top is really, really good. I, Weren't I they down know. by 20 in the first half? They were down. Was down 20, right? Yeah. Came back and won. Um, I think the top is really good. I think the, the middle to the bottom is, is not great for the sec. Um, but I really think it's a three headed race right now in Alabama, Arkansas and Tennessee. And then we'll see where Kentucky I can't it's, believe you're 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 writing off Kentucky. Come on, I, I'm not I'm, writing. I, I just I, said I, they peak at the end of January. The I know. Of I'm not writing them off at I, all. I would if I had to. If I had to say right now, I think um, I, I, honestly, I think it's the the other three: Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. And Kentucky's probably fourth in that group. If you want to tell me who the ceiling is, I think you kind of flip it, right? I think Arkansas and Alabama probably have the highest ceiling. I think Kentucky's right there with them. I'd have them third. I'm not going to argue with you if you have any of them. Uh, whatever order you want to have three. And I think the highest ceiling is probably like Tennessee is probably fourth, but I think all four of those teams will be top 15 teams when it's all said and done. You know, who would not tell us who we thought was a Alabama, who, who we thought was a top 10 team, Nate Oates. He did not answer the question Goodman put to him on where he would rank Alabama this season. Let's get into that interview with Nate. Now it was uh, entertaining to say the least. The field of 68 after dark, the man that just became the first coach since 1966 when Jeff Goodman was 13 years old to beat the number one team in the AP poll <laughs> twice in the same season before New Year's, before the turn on the calendar. That's Alabama head coach Nate Oates. Nate, what's going on, man? It looks like you did you get a little uh, water bath in the shower or in the uh, in the locker room after the game? 
I'm full of Gatorade bottle on me. I, I mean, I'm good with the water, but I, I'm sticky. I I don't ever shower after Gatorade. I got to shower after this one before we go. <laughs> Did they mess up that nice blazer you got on? Yeah, I, I mean, it can get dry clean, so we're all right. I'll take <laughs> I'll take water, Gatorade bath, whatever. If we if we can beat number one teams in the country, I'll take whatever they got for me coming to the locker room. You came back from Portland. That four overtime game against Carolina was, was critical for you to, to come back, feel pretty good about yourself. It could have been a totally different deal if you guys had gone one and two and, and lost that one. You come back. How different was it in terms of even the confidence of the team maybe coming into this one, especially when you went down at halftime, then went down even more early in the second half to kind of stick around and fight through it? I, mean, I thought it was big. I mean, if you haven't played number one team before and you haven't played – you know, that obviously that environment's different. There wasn't that many people out in Portland, but we've still been in it for overtimes, tons of tough plays that had to be made late. You know, I think we got some confidence from those plays being made late. You know, we ended up winning it. So if we hadn't been there, I don't know if we got the grit, character, toughness to be able to pull this one off when we get down. I mean, down 15 on the road. And look, when we played Carolina, they were number one in the polls, but the analytics sites, all, all that, they weren't number one on those. This team's number one everywhere. Probably even including Goodman's poll, who he screws a lot of stuff up in. But he, you know, they he probably even had number one. But I did. Good. Every, every Actually, no, no, I had Purdue. I had Purdue at once. So he didn't beat the number one either time. <laughs> yeah. so. Coach, obviously you guys came into the game, you were I think ninth in the country in scoring, getting 83 a game. And you look at even going into like the under eight timeout and it's, you know, like a 16, 12 game, whatever it was. And it's just a complete rock fight. You scored 27 points in the first half. Like just what was the message to your team going into the half, just in terms of like, keep playing, keep battling, keep, because defensively you were outstanding. You were struggling taking care of the ball at times. Obviously they're really good defense. Your defense was elite tonight too, but just the message at halftime to just keep battling because you know, I think sometimes your scores at, at, at the, at the level you guys do, and you're not scoring, you, you know, a young team, you guys can go into a place of like, I mean, it's not working to whatever it is. And you guys, man, that, that, wasn't no, we, the case. We, that was exactly the point. I, we came in before we got to any X and O I just said, look, here's the deal. We're down for, look, there's a lot that's gone bad. Okay. Get, get some of you in here. Haven't made a shot yet. You know, we're, we've got 12 turnovers, but here's the deal. We're not going to, we told you going in, we weren't going to have zero turnovers. If we, whatever goes bad, miss it. You know, we couldn't make a free throw in the first half. Well, we had the free throw line in the first half. Yeah, five for 11. And we stepped over the line on one. So really 12 opportunities to get free throw. And we got five points. So I said, look, we got to quit dropping our heads. Quit, like, screw all that. Like, we're going to turn the ball over. Like, we got to get it cut down. We only had three in the second half, but. We got to sprint back and make some plays. Like we can't let, you know, a missed free throw, a missed shot, a turnover turn into three bad possessions because we're still hanging our head. I thought we had a little bit of that late in the first half. Honest to God, we had too much of it early. So people, you know, talk about my halftime speech. You know, my halftime speech stunk, obviously, because the start of the second half was terrible. Like it was more like the timeout, get some dudes out, get some other guys in, give us a spark. And then we started turning around there with about, you know, 17, 16, 15 minutes to go or whatever it was. But no, that was exactly the first thing we said is we got to get a mindset change. This is the best team in the country. Things not, things are going to be tough. They're not going to go easy for us. 
we just got to keep playing. We got to be. And I said, look, we're not down because they're physically imposing their will on us. Like we're, we'd out rebounded them. We'd we're down because we aren't mentally tough enough. We're letting one mistake turn into another one and we're not making free throws and we're turning the ball. Like if we could make some free throws and take care of the ball, we'd be up. So, you know, we give them some light, but we got to get a little more mentally tough here too. Nate, uh, I so want to ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to open up the floor to you here. Okay. Heading into this game, Jeff Goodman in his top 25 had you ranked 17th in the country. Yeah. Not surprising any, at all. Do you have any comment? <laughs> I mean, typical, typical Goodman stuff. So you're going to move up. Where do you think you should move up to right now? Where would you? Uh, no, no, I'm not biting for that. Wherever you, <laughs> wherever, wherever you want to put us at. Just keep us low, though. I don't like us being high. Keep, like, move it 16th. Put us at 16th. We're at 17th. No, you're going to move up. Hey, you're definitely in the top 10. You're, you can't, you can't keep yourselves out of tenth, the top 10. Tenth. You play four freshmen, key minutes at the end, key minutes. So, like, to me, your upside is so high because we talked about it. You and I, Jaden Bradley, wasn't great in the preseason and has come on strong here lately. Clowney is making threes now. Brandon Miller didn't, didn't make a shot out, outside of from the foul line tonight, and you still beat the number one team, not on a neutral court. You beat them at their place. So what is the upside for this team this year, Nate? I think it's pretty high. I mean, we, but we've got to keep it together. We've got to have guys continue to pull for each other. Like, Brandon's got to be really happy for everybody that played well, yeah. even when we could make a field goal. Like, Quinterly's got to be super happy for Jaden Bradley and Mark Sears. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the best night because he will have a good night. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we our upside's high, but, you know, we've – you can also you can go one of two ways. Like we won last year against Houston. They made the elite eight without Mark and Sasser. Like, so and we and coach Sampson talked before the game, whoever wins and loses, like this will make both of us better if we handle it right. So can we, as young freshmen and some new, new guys, can we handle success? Sometimes it's a lot of hand, a lot harder to handle success than it is to handle failure. And, you know, we've got to, we got to handle success well now because we just, we had a good game here. Well, listen, Nate, we appreciate the time. Thank you for jumping on the show with us. Uh, go back to your team. Go celebrate. Go get another Gatorade dumped on your head. You guys earned it tonight. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Goodman, put the Alabama hat on. We sent you one. Put it on. I got it. I got it back here. <laughs> I love Nate Oates because Nate Oates is not afraid to call out Jeff Goodman for his hypocrisy and his horrible way of ranking teams. Um all right, we got to talk a little bit about Houston. Houston was the number one team in the country. They just lost at home. Uh, McCall, are you how concerned are you with with these Cougars and, and and what's your kind of takeaway on this group? They haven't looked great so far this season, even if the numbers and the wins have been pretty good. Well, I think a couple things. One, you got two of your best players that are coming off season-ending injuries last season, and then you're adding in a really really talented freshman, and you're still trying to mesh the whole group together and take nothing away from Alabama. Alabama's played a more challenging schedule up to this point than Houston played. Now that was an elite environment, right? And home court advantage for them. But I thought there was a really, really big play in the game. I thought with 8-10 to go in the game, Traymon Mark, awful foul call. Rob, as you would say, I thought it was a flop. Oh, Defenders, defender, was. Was, defender was on the side of him. 
um, and kind of falls back. Referees call a charge. Ball's going back down. Now, Traymond Mark is fouled out of the game, and he's on the bench for the rest of the game with eight minutes to go. Very next possession, Alabama comes down. They run a horn set, and Bradley's able to just go down the lane for a tomahawk dunk. I mean, that that never happened. The, the lane was never open like that in the entire first half. And it was almost like everyone was still so focused on the foul call and couldn't believe that the foul was called. And Bradley goes down the lane for just a wide open tomahawk like that. Th there was nothing else like that. And then I thought another big play was the Sears three, right? Alabama's up one. They run, you know, almost like a back screen and Houston switching it. And the kid that switches, he kind of gets caught up and he's late. And now, Sears comes off the down screen and hits it at the top of the key. I mean, I thought that was, first of all, it was right after timeout. Give Nato's credit, great after timeout set. But I thought the Mark foul with 8-10 to go that put him on the bench was a huge, huge play in that game. So I don't think it's time to to throw up the red flag and be very concerned about Houston. I, I thought the first half defensively, and I thought Alabama's defense was outstanding as well. But just their rotations, their aggressiveness on pick and roll coverages, their rotations, you know, when Alabama's guards are coming off and they did hit the roll man a couple times, they were making second and third efforts. And it made it so difficult for that powerful offense in Alabama to score. Um, they just couldn't sustain it for 40 minutes, essentially. Um, but I don't think it's time to, to wave the red flag at all. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, the big thing, Goodman, is Marcus Sasson and Tremont Mark have uh... – They've been fine, but they haven't been Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark so far this year, especially Sasser. Like we thought that I, I said there was a chance he could be national player of the year this year. And he has he's been, been fine. Yeah. yeah, he's been fine. It looked like he tweaked his shoulder the other week. He had an eye thing that there were questions about whether or not he was going to play. So he's just, he hasn't looked like the guy yet. And I think that that's kind of the, the difference right now. Yeah. And again, you know, they had trouble scoring at the end of the game. Why? Again, Mark was in foul trouble. Sasser wasn't himself. So too much was on Jamal Shedd's awesome. But like too much was on Jamal Shedd. You're not you're not going into Jarris Walker at that point. That mm -hmm. you want you want guys who can make plays off the bounce. And to me, again, you became kind of one-dimensional, having to rely too much on Shedd. So I think when they get those two wings with Shedd. With Walker midway through the year when when he's a little bit more comfortable. And then you've got those two guys, you know, that the Roberts who can just rebound the hell out of the ball. I mean, they got a couple of them, right? They 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 again, once they're healthy, they're gonna be as good as just about anybody in the country and have a chance to win this whole thing. Yeah, I don't think that you take away anything from this loss other than Alabama just you know, kind of outplayed him in that moment. I think it says more about what Alabama is as opposed to what uh, and they're a tough sure. matchup. Like, that's the one thing, too, with Bama is they're so athletic and so, like, they're just yeah. like, no, the only thing. The only thing I would say to push back on that is with a team that is built around toughness and physicality and defense and intensity and basically kicking everybody's ass, when you have a team full of upperclassmen kind of get beat in their own game by a whole bunch of freshmen, like, that. that's the one at thing home. I'd be a little bit worried about at home. But it's also – you know, again, I don't Listen, think it says McCall, anything. Wait, wait. Know what Houston is. Can I ask Matt something on, on this? So when you're up. If I say no, is it going to matter? No, it's not going to matter. <laughs> um, when you're up like that, when you're up 15, three, four minutes into the second half, even if you're a veteran team and you're at home, how much do you worry as a coach that these guys are going to take their foot off the pedal a little bit? 
Man, I said it on a broadcast I was doing the other night. FAU was playing for Florida Gulf Coast, and it was the gym was packed down in Boca Raton, and FAU had a I think twelve point lead going into the half. And as a coach, you're so concerned about coming out of halftime and your guys being complacent, right? Like, oh, okay, hey, we we can take a breath here. We're fine. We're gonna be fine. We, you know, we smacked them in the first half. They didn't we respond. Yeah, we're 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 gonna be fine. I thought another big stat too, Jeff was, I mean, Houston missed some timely free throws. Yeah, you know, I mean, they were twelve for twenty-two from the foul line. Now Alabama was twenty for thirty-two, so they missed a bunch too. I thought there was a bunch of missed free throws just across the board today in college basketball. But you know, twelve for twenty-two, and then the other team goes to the line ten more times than you. I thought that was that was another big step, but there's no question. As as a coach, you're completely concerned when you have a lead, especially if you're at home, man. And your guys come out a little bit complacent. That thing can get evaporated, and the momentum can shift fast to the other team. Mm -hmm. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about another team that we all had ranked pretty highly coming into this game, but that had a little bit more of a disappointing uh, performance. Illinois at home, coming off of a uh, a pretty thrilling comeback win in Madison Square Garden against number two Texas on what was that Tuesday night? It feels like a, that might have been like a month ago. Going to Tuesday night, uh, lost at home to Penn State by 15 in a performance that uh, did not offer a ton of inspiration for people like our producer Trevor, who is a big Illinois fan. Um, and after the game, when Brad Underwood went to the podium. Uh, he he had some pretty harsh words for Asim Dig, and I think we can cue up the sound on that now. Brady, you've talked a lot about TJ's leadership since he's gotten here. That's what I thought of that today. What what has changed the last two games? Obviously, regulation, he's got eight points. I don't know. Ask him. He brought it for two days in practice. I've told our staff he was going to be terrible today. For two days. For two days, show you how. Uh, you guys know I don't usually come in here like this after a loss, but I'm just telling you our approach to this game right now is immature and it's 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 it lacks complete complete 100% lack of leadership. And if I got to go back to leading again, this team's in trouble. Somebody on this team's got to step up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, McCall, you heard it. Brad Underwood coming at his guys in a press conference and specifically Terrence Shannon in that press conference. Um, have you, you've been in more locker rooms and more press conferences on that, specifically on that side than Jeff and I have. Is that, what kind of risk does it play 
when you call out a player like that? Is that something that, you know, could it have some negative effects? You know, what, what's, how, how do you feel about what, uh, what Underwood said there and, and how he kind of handled that situation? I think it could have more negative effects if they weren't having success. Right. I think if you had lost to Texas or they're sitting here looking at 500 and as a head coach, you go in there and call your players out like that. I think it could have way more of a, of a negative effect. I think this completely goes back to the Texas game. I think probably, and here's what fans don't understand, just everything that goes into prepper, prepping for these games and the amount of work and the amount of film you watch. And as a head coach, you watch twice as much film as your assistant coaches. And I'm sure in practice, his guys were feeling themselves a little bit and he knew it. And that's why he did what he did in the press conference because he knew it. And I'm sure he tried to address it in practice and they probably said, we're at home. We're going to be fine. Don't worry about a coach. We're fine. And he knew his team was complacent and didn't respond to the Texas victory the right way. When they're running off the feet, off the court, going horns down, horns down. Hey guys, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to enjoy this win, but tomorrow it's back to work because we've got a very good and credit Mike Shrewsbury and Penn state, right? Jalen Pickett. I mean, unbelievable job, unbelievable win, but coach Underwood knew his team got complacent after Texas. And that's why he did what he did. I think sometimes too, the game, you put so much into it, the game's so emotional. And as a coach, you go into the locker room knowing and you're frustrated with your team because they didn't respond the right way. And then you've got to turn around and go right to the podium and address the media. Your emotions are still running high. And sometimes you've got to catch your breath and not say something in the moment, not be emotional in the moment. Um, and I'm sure that's, that happened. But to me, I don't think it's just a direct shot at Shannon. I think it's a direct shot at his whole team because I think leading up to this game, he knew his team got a little complacent after doing what they did against Texas. And he was frustrated with that. And his frustration came out in that press conference after how his team uh, performed. It felt a little bit like a, and I told you so Jeff. It yeah. Felt that's exactly like what it was. Basically like, look, yeah. I, we I talked about this in practice. Like I, I, I told you this was going to happen. If you didn't show up ready to play, I told you that was a good team. I'm sure that that Illinois sitting there feeling themselves. I'm like, ah, we got Penn state. That's Penn state, right? We just beat the number two team in the country. We're playing Penn state. This ain't football, right? It's Penn state. And they come in, they get their asses kicked. I'll say this too. If you're going to do it to somebody, you're going to be able to do it to a player who's already played for Chris Beard and Mark Adams. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? Like, Terrence Shannon's not going to be phased by this at all. And to be honest, he can't play like he has for other than one overtime period. He has not played well here for the last two games. He can't do that. You know, we saw that against Virginia in Vegas. Didn't play well. They lost. Didn't play well tonight. They lost. They were lucky as hell to beat Texas. Lucky as hell. And Brad knew that. And he knew they got away with one there. And then tonight, yeah, he, he I, I think again, I think he's looking at this and saying, you know what? Like I got this new team. And he said it after the game the other night. Like, I don't, I don't know my team yet at all. And he's got to push some buttons here and try to figure out what's going to motivate these guys that all came from different programs, uh, what he, what can he do with Terrence Shannon? Does this work? Because Terrence Shannon needs to be more of an alpha dog. He needs to be more vocal. That's never been his role at Texas Tech. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, too. You can't give up 12 threes at home. Right. I mean, Penn State made 12 threes. They shot 50% from the three point line in your building. So I'm sure as a defensive minded coach, too, who, you know, their values are toughness and aggressiveness and a defensive minded coach, man, they get 12 for 24 from the three point line. I mean, that's that's a recipe for a loss. Yep. Let's give a little credit to uh, to Penn State because I think it is probably deserved. Uh, they came into this game with three losses on the season. I know they had just lost two in a row, but one of those was a double overtime game on the road in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They lost by two on a neutral court to a very good Virginia Tech team. And I know that they lost at home to Michigan State, but I, I mean, look, you lose to Michigan State, Michigan State is Michigan State. So this kind of felt like a uh, a moment that was um, that was coming for this group and Penn State's a fun team to watch, dude. Like they, they basically play like five guards. Yep. Jalen Pickett is a point guard, but he's also kind of like a power forward. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun team. He posts everybody. He yeah. posts danger tonight. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. It, I mean, he has, t- he has 20 as a guard and doesn't make a three. Yeah. It, there is there 20 and, and he only shot four free throws. He's two for four from the free throw line. And yeah, he had 20. They are, they are a fun, interesting innovative team to watch because with the pieces that he has uh Michael Shrewsbury has to get a little bit creative and he has um I don't think this is necessarily necessarily a, a fluke they're shooting better than 40 percent from three they take more than 50 percent of their their uh, field goal attempts from behind the arc they don't turn the ball over they don't give you transition layups um they just they're they're a good solid well-coached team that are going to pick people off like this on the nights when they go 12 for 24 from beyond the arc but did you see at the end they were up by 15 and the dude got the the dude that hit like six in the game tried to take one from about 30 feet and he almost threw it over the backboard from like the right wing that was uh i was laughing about that he's like yeah and, that's andrew funk six that, for nine that was a big time heat check there yeah, big that time was a check. big big time heat check right there he shot it a little bit like jeff goodman um all right so we talked about indiana at the top of the big 10 we talked about Illinois at the top of the Big Ten. Purdue is also another team at the top of the Big Ten. And they uh, they kind of they, they struggled a little bit on the road at Nebraska tonight. It went to overtime. The final score was 65 to 62. Zach Eady was good, but he was not like the Zach Eady that we've seen so far this season. Um, I think what he finished with uh, 17, 11, seven blocks, but he only got seven field goals. 11 and 17. 11, 17. Points. Yeah, 11, 11 points, 17 boards, um, and seven blocks. Uh, Nebraska did a pretty good job kind of slowing him down and figuring out what they wanted to get from Purdue offensively. Fletcher Lawyer, 22 points, had a big dunk. Um, but beyond that, it was kind of an ugly game for Purdue. Goodman, are you worried about the Boilermakers? Was this just kind of a, you know, road game, Big Ten? Nebraska just went into Creighton and beat them. Like, this not a bad – this isn't the, the Nebraska team we've seen the last three years. Like, they're going to be tough. What, what, what do you take away from this game? Yeah, they made other people beat them, which is what you have to do if you're playing against Zach Eady, right? Double them. Uh, make sure, again, you you almost, to me, you almost got to front him and then have a guy behind him and just say, listen, we're going to let somebody else beat us. And double team him before he catches it, honestly. Right, that, like Just double too. team him before he catches it. Whatever you want to do, to me, if he gets the ball anywhere inside the foul line, it, it's kind of money right now. So I, I would rather see if, Fletcher Lawyer or, or Braden Smith, one of those guys, whoever it is, uh, can can beat me. Other than Zach Eady, they did a good job of it. They slowed the game down. They made it ugly, which is what Nebraska can can do and has done. They did it to Creighton uh, as well. And, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not worried about Purdue, but Purdue's not going to run the table or anything crazy in the Big Ten. Like, 
they're going to fight to to finish in the top few spots. Like they could win it. They could finish third or fourth in the Big Ten, and it wouldn't shock me. But again, I, I think the key is going to be Purdue figuring out that when teams play Zach Eady this way, because they're going to do it over and over now, especially after Nebraska had some success, your, your other guys have to step up and make plays. Yep. Matt? Can we give, and I don't, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but the kid from Nebraska, is it Tamanga? Yeah, I think that uh, was what that was making all the crazy. I, sh- can I, we I give it, him some credit, Tama, please? It's I think it's Tamanaga. Yeah. Tamanaga, can we please give him some credit? Yes, because oh. he was coming off screens and letting it go and letting the crowd hear it and was having so much fun out there. And I think even late in regulation or an overtime, whatever it was, he was open and he was so devastated he didn't get the last shot. And you could see him on the sideline just kind of drop his head into his hands. But, man, was that kid fun to watch. Yep. He was putting on a show out there and the shot making. Listen, the good teams find ways to win. And even if you're the top team in the standings in the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, whatever it may be, and you go on the road, and I'm not knocking Nebraska here, but you go on the road and you play someone that's not in the top half of the standings or you know picked at the bottom, whatever it may be, it's hard to win. And the good teams find ways to win regardless of the circumstance. Game, how's it going? Zach Eady's only got this amount of touches. Nebraska's doing a good job on it, whatever it may be. And the best teams find a way to win. Purdue found a way to win that game. But man, I, the the manga man, he was fun to watch. Just the shot making and the, the display that he put on that game. But I don't think it's a cause for concern for Purdue at all. They found a way to to win the game. And, good teams. I mean, look at who they beat. Yeah, right. that's Duke, exactly right. Daga, Marquette, uh, West Virginia. They, you're not going to beat everybody by by fifteen no. or twenty. They've proven themselves. They can have an off night. They're still really damn good. My daughter texts me after the after the game. She's like, you got to move Purdue down. I'm like, well, what are you kidding? No, I'm not moving them down. They've proven so much already, and they won, by the way. They won. Yeah, they the won. only thing that I will say, um, and I, I agree with everything you guys are saying, a road game in the Big Ten is a road game in the Big Ten. Nebraska is Nebraska, but they had 14,500 people in that building tonight. For right. Like a bad team. They, Nebraska fans show up and show yeah. out whether or not their team is good or bad for hoops right now. It might even be a basketball school at this point, guys. Is that going too far? It might be going too far. Um, I want to see what now that other coaches are going to see this kind of film and they're going to see what Nebraska did, especially in the second half to slow down Edie. Uh, what does this change the way that he gets played? Does this change the way that he gets defended? And how does Purdue adjust to it? I think Matt Painter is going to be just fine figuring it out. I'm not worried about Purdue at all. Um, they're probably going to end up taking four or five losses in the Big Ten. We're going to put out some headlines that overreact because you got to do that on YouTube to get the clicks. But I don't think anybody's actually all that concerned uh, about them. Zach Eady is still the National Player of the Year front runner. All right, let's talk a little bit about Arkansas. Uh, Trevon Brazil, not playing anymore. Torn ACL, done for the season. Massive blow for this team. Uh, Matt, they still have four guys that they start on the wings that could end up being first-round picks. And they got a couple centers in the Mitchell Twins that, you know, we've seen them have 13-10. and 10. We've seen them put up double-doubles this year. They were down big early to Oklahoma, came back. They won by double digits. That wasn't really uh, – it wasn't close down the stretch. Of the, the final score probably flattered Oklahoma a little bit when it was all said and done. What do you make of the Hogs? 
I mean, I'm I've, I'm a must bus guy. I think what he's been able to do there is just absolutely outstanding. He's he's brought back excitement, you know, in Fayetteville in terms of basketball. Um, obviously, devastating injury to lose a guy like that and that caliber of a player to an ACL uh, is tough. But I just think with how they play, with how aggressive they play on defense. Um, with what they do on offense in terms of spacing and ball movement and the culture that that Musa has created, I think that that they'll continue to click and be, you know, a top four SEC team. I think they need some reps, right? They need some games to get under the belt before league play in terms of learning how to play without them. But yeah, I'm I, I don't I don't see, you know, I don't see very many teams outside of Alabama. You know, Kentucky, we talked about right there, Tennessee, that that are going to be ahead of them. Auburn really struggled tonight. I know Auburn hasn't played the schedule that these other teams in the SEC. I think Bruce Pearl's a heck of a coach. I think Auburn will be just okay. Uh, they'll, they'll be fine in the league. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not going against Moss. I think he's too good of a coach, and he'll figure this out. Yeah, I'm just a little bit worried, Jeff. The, the way that you create spacing in the half court is you either have a guy at the dunker spot where you could throw it to the top of the square and he's going to catch a lob, Trevon Brazil does that, or you have a guy that can stand out at the top of the key. You drive in the lane, you kick it out. If the center helps off him, Trevon Brazil can do that. Um, what kind of, uh, I don't know, the spacing to me is going to be a little bit of concern when your entire offense is, all right, let's let's ISO Ricky Council here. Let's ISO Nick Smith here. Let's ISO Anthony Black here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have to do it that way because I think Anthony Black is a guy who can make people better, but, mm-hmm. but that perimeter trio is pretty damn good. Like, oh. I don't know if I take anybody's over Anthony Black, Nick Smith, and Ricky Council. I'm I'm not sure anybody's is better than that. Now again, when you have Brazil up front, that was a difference maker with Jordan Walsh. How athletic they were together. Those two together they were insane, with, dude. Insane. insane. So think about like in the open court, they're already going to be good in the open court without him. But think about how ridiculous they are. Once Nick Smith had just gotten to town really like he had just started playing you know in, in actual games so I, I couldn't wait to see what they could be in January or February now I do think they've got an easy stretch coming up like really easy the next like four games it's Bradley UNC Asheville at LSU Missouri at home at Auburn then they go Alabama at home uh, it, it's a real easy stretch early which is good for a team like Arkansas because They'll figure out role allocation a little bit better because that that was the one thing I was a little bit concerned about, right? Council and Nick Smith now with Nick coming back, how, how is that going to work? But you know, to me again, I, I just think their margin for errors is, is is significantly less without Brazil. That's all. Yeah, with with him, they're probably the most talented started five in college basketball, and without him, they're still like probably the most talented five starting five in college basketball but it's not like instead of having five pros you only have four which is like still not that bad still a pretty good thing uh you mentioned auburn um i don't i don't like calling them frauds i think i I don't want to call them overrated but they are not well i'll call them overrated i'll call them overrated they're not the they're not the number 11 team in the country and like they're probably more of like a top 25 top 30 like eight nine ten seed kind of a team and I think we kind of saw that a little bit against Memphis today, Goodman. Yeah, no, I listen, I had him at 23 for the last few weeks, and, and that might have been high. Um, you know, to me, you know, Bruce Pearl, here's the thing with Bruce is like he normally plays a great schedule, right? That's what Bruce is known for in the non-conference. 
well, this year it's been a bunch of like mids, like good mids, but St. Louis wasn't very, they're not great this year, right? It's, it's George Mason, South Florida, Winthrop, Texas Southern, Bradley, Northwestern, St. Louis, Colgate, and now they lose their first game against a legitimate high major in, in, in Memphis, who wasn't great. Like Memphis lost to Seton Hall already. It's not like this Memphis team scares the shit out of you. So I would say Auburn has no right to me being in the top 25 today. And and their their backcourt right now is very unimpressive and under. Well, that's the thing. It was it was last year too, and it's still the same second guys. Half. Yeah, it the was difference the is that Walker Kessler's not out there. Yeah, they, <laughs> they lost they traded Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, two first yeah, round picks. Yeah. One of them was a top three pick for Janai Broom and Johan Traore and Chance Westry, who are all good players. But when you when you downgrade your front court and you still have the same backcourt that we had the question marks on, Matt, it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, like backcourt looks a lot better when, when it's got two first-round picks up front. Yeah, yes, yeah absolutely. And I think one of the things Coach Pearl always does is, is he gives his players just – a tremendous amount of freedom, especially on the offensive end of the floor. I think he's a really good offensive coach with what he runs and different things that he does, but his players have a lot of freedom out there. Tonight they go six for 24 from three. Yeah. Okay. So like somebody has got to be able to put the ball in the basket. Like the kid, Katie Johnson came off the bench. He was one for seven from three tonight. So, you know, I, I just think they're going to have to figure that out. They lost two first round draft picks. Who are they going to go to up front? Man, give Memphis credit too. You know, get, get, I know they lost to Seton Hall and they've struggled, you know, but uh, I mean, man. And plus, they play the most difficult schedule in the country. It's not even close. Hey, okay. Look, I, they're, getting ready to, they're getting ready to play Alabama next. All right. And yeah. they've already played an unbelievable schedule up to this point. But, you know, Davis has been terrific. The commentator said something tonight about Williams, which was really, really interesting, I thought, in the game. It was like his record when he's actually out there on the floor. What is Memphis's record when he's on the floor? I, I think it was something it's, like it's when he's not out when he's not out there, they're seven and seven. When he is out there, they're forty and thirteen. That's what yeah. it says. Yeah, he's also McCall, he, he might is. be older than you. Like he he's I think he's 26. He might be older. Okay. He's played in a lot of games, but that's <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. 40 and 13 with him, seven and seven without him. So I want to give credit to Memphis. Like I said in my toast of the night, um, Davis has been outstanding. Um, and we'll see how they are against Alabama coming up. I'm firmly on the Memphis is really good bandwagon. I don't know if they're quite top 25, they're 26th on Ken Palm right now, but to me, they're like they're clearly a tournament team. They're a team that is a threat to make a run because they're so good defensively. They can turn you over. They're so tough. They're so physical. And like they're old. They're old. They they are like their starting lineup is all fifth year seniors, except for like one guy. Their entire rotation is all seniors, except for one dude. And it's a loss. Kendrick Davis, Alex Lomax, DeAndre Williams, Jaden Hardaway has got to be a what a senior right now, junior, senior. Yeah, they're all upperclassmen. Right? Keontae Kennedy's an upperclassman. Yeah. Chandler Lawson's a senior. Like they just Elijah right. McFadden is, a, is yeah. a, they're all old. They got the the um the Kai dude that transferred in from UT Arlington that can, you know, put his chin above the rim. Like they they're just they're so old and they're so athletic and they guard. It's it's a it's a conversation for a different day, but it's fascinating how Penny Hardaway has completely changed from I'm gonna go get every single great freshman in college basketball to I'm going to get the oldest players possible and have them all play on the floor. I'm basically going to put together a, uh, a European professional team right here is what he's done. All right. There were some rivalry games tonight. We're not going to talk about Georgetown Syracuse, which is just as someone that grew up on the big East, it's so 
upsetting to me to see like what that rivalry has turned into. I didn't even real it was on ABC game. ABC. I didn't even realize they were playing until I I went to go put on uh who was who came it was I went to go put on Houston Alabama and I saw the final couple minutes of Georgetown Syracuse like oh shit they're playing on ACC or ABC. Like, that's the big one. Nobody cares. They they gave away free tickets for the stat? Georgetown game. Well, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. They gave away free tickets to a Georgetown game, right? Yep. Against Siena at home. And they said that they got 3,500 people there. And if there were 3,500 people in that building, then there's 50 people in this room with me right now, right? There, there must, there couldn't have been more than like 500 people. It's sad what Georgetown has become. Um, it's sad with that rivalry. 25 straight games against high major teams, 25 straight. I don't know if anybody else not named Patrick Ewing. Um, could do that and still have a job. No, anyway. there's, no, it's Patrick Ewing. It's because he's Patrick right. Ewing. Of course. Because he's Patrick Ewing. But at what know. point doesn't Patrick Ewing, and I know we're not going to have this conversation, but at what point does Patrick Ewing just go in and say, like, enough is enough. I, I'm No mas. Put me hey, out of my misery here. McCall, do you see what he just did there? He goes, oh, we're not no, going to have this conversation, but I'm going to try to force feed this conversation. He wants to have this conversation. He wants to have this conversation. Move on. Move on to Kansas, Missouri. Kansas, Missouri. Uh, he wants to get into that just yes. based on Kansas, Kansas, 30 piece, Missouri at Missouri in that environment. We all saw the videos that went viral before the game. How crazy that, that, uh, yeah. that student section was Goodman. The floor is yours, man. This is, it's your world. We're just living in it. Yeah, Go we're ahead. Staying out of it. Southern Indiana, Penn, <laughs> oh, Lindenwood, SIU Edwardsville, Mississippi Valley state, coastal Carolina, Houston, Christian, Wichita state, and Simo, they are not Kansas. They are not Kansas. You can play them, Dennis Gates. That's fine. You can play them and get some fraudulent, you know, a nine and zero fraudulent start, and that that's good, and, and get your fans all excited. And then it all comes crashing down when you have to play Kansas, and you get absolutely obliterated, and your players get a false sense of really how good they are. Uh, to me, again, I get it. Like it's your first year whatever, get wins, try to get some momentum. Maybe it, it helps with recruiting or whatnot, uh, but you're not good. You're not good. You're you're single A and Kansas is the major leagues right now. Period. Wow. Okay. Um, I, so I, the one thing that I'll disagree with you on and play a little bit of devil's advocate there is I think when you are taking over a new program that hasn't had much success in the last decade, right? For what you would expect a Missouri program to kind of how relevant you, you would think that they would be with that fan base with some of the legacy that they have um, with, with a new team. I think that what they returned just two guys from last year, new coach. I have no problem scheduling a bunch of cupcakes early in the year when you know you're not going to be in the mix for an NCAA tournament. And eight all you're trying games, to do eight buy games out of your first nine games. Eight, eight. I don't I I don't like it, but I get it. And I like I'm not I I I when you know that you're not going to be a tournament team and you're just trying to get momentum, you're just trying to get your team to learn how to play together. You're just trying to get like get some buzz. This was the biggest game that Missouri's played in the last decade. There were, this is the first time there was excitement around that program since since what? Since Kim English was there? Now you think they're right? excited? No, but it, like that doesn't matter, right? What matters is heading in people cared about it. You have fans that care about it again. You have people showing up to games, right? How often were people showing up to games? So like Yes, you created a false sense of how good you were, but you actually got people to care about it again. And half of winning in college basketball is getting people to care and getting people to show up and getting people to come to games. So I have no problem with that. Um, Xavier, 
Cincinnati, the Crosstown shootout, McCall. Uh, Xavier was up by 15 at one point. I think they were up by 17 in the first half. Cincinnati came all the way back. It was a wild finish. They banked in a four-point play with 12 seconds left. Xavier comes down the other end, draws a foul. They end up winning the game. What's your What's your takeaway from this? You know, we've seen we've seen Xavier struggle to, to defend so far at times this season. They uh, they gave they looked great defensively in the first half. Almost gave it all all the way back. Like what, what's your what's your kind of takeaway here? Just weird things happen in rivalry games. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I think the rivalries are great, especially the non-conference rivalries. Right? That was the most disappointing thing with Missouri Kansas. Is like it wasn't even close. And you know that rivalry back in the day, man. You know, even go back to like when Mike Anderson right was at Missouri. Like it was electric, and those games mm-hmm. were elite. And when Missouri's good, you know, like when we were in the league with them, when they had Flip Pressy and those really good teams, that place is loud and it's rocking. So I think the rivalries are great. I think the Crosstown shootout is is another really good one, those out-of-conference rivalries. I thought the end of the game was really, really interesting, and me and you, Rob, were talking about it off-air. I don't know if it was Wes Miller, if it was his analytics guy on staff, but <laughs> someone to call a timeout, when you don't have one, it was it was basically... Wes. It was Wes because he actually asked the official. He said this after the game. He asked the official if I call a timeout and get the technical foul and they get the two free throws, do I get the ball back? They said yes. So here, I'll just I'll recap it and then I'll let you finish. I'll recap it for the people that didn't see it. Suli Boom was fouled with 1.4 seconds left. Tie game. Uh, he makes the first free throw. He intentionally misses the second because Cincinnati has no timeouts and all they could do is they could grab it and they could just throw up prayer, no chance of making that shot. Um, but what Cincinnati does down by one, they grab the rebound, they call a timeout, they take the technical foul, they give Xavier two free throws, and then they get to inbound the ball on the other baseline. So at the very least, they can run a set play and have a chance at tying the game and getting a prayer. I thought from both coaches, uh, it was incredibly smart and just the, the best way to try to maximize the chance to win the game. Well, I think, too, like as a head coach, there's a million different thoughts going through your head at any point in time in the game. And to actually think about that with the game on the line in that situation, credit Wes Miller, because it's exactly right. You've got a much better chance of running a set play in that situation than you do catching off a rebound, turning and trying to throw a baseball pass at the rim. So credit him, but give credit to Xavier on winning the crosstown shootout. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to, you know, we'll see where they end up in the big East, you know, Cincinnati's now six and four struggle a little bit out in, uh, in uh, Maui. Um, but I thought just that moment in the game, I got to give credit to the coaches. That, that, that was impressive. Yeah. You mentioned the big East uh, right now. Well, Villanova got one win today and we'll talk about this at a different time, but uh, Cam Whitmore looks like he might be the real deal and, and kind of changing what that, that program ceiling is. Creighton is currently down by five at the end of the first half to uh, to BYU. They're playing without Ryan Kalkbrenner, which is a difference maker. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this up here, but we did have a question in the chat that I wanted to get to. Um, if you guys had to bet your entire net worth on one team, who is going to be the last team that remains winless this season? There are only two winless teams in college basketball right now. One of them, Louisville Cardinals. The other one, the Cal Golden Golden Bears. Now, look, you got to you got to bet it all. You got to bet it all, McCall. Your entire net worth, everything you got, that nice, beautiful house you got down there in Jupiter, Florida. You got to bet it all. Who you got? Who is going to be the last yeah. team that remains uh, remains winless? 
Goodman, can you can I get can I get the next two games of Cal and the next two games of Louisville? I know Florida and M is coming up for Louisville in two games. Who does Cal have the next two? So games? so Louisville is Cal. home for Western Kentucky, home for Florida A and M, home for Lipscomb. Cal is at Santa Clara, home for UT Arlington, and then they get the home Utah Colorado game in the, the, the that swing in the Pac twelve. Oof. All right, I'm going to give the nod to Mark Fox just because he's coached a lot more games as a head coach than Kenny Payne. Um, I think the Cal Bears get a win before the Louisville Cardinals. So I, I probably should have told you this, but Louisville plays hey. both Western Kentucky and Florida A&M before Cal plays next. Exactly. Cal's got a week off. Okay, all right. All so right. you've got to take uh, Louisville against. You've got to take Louisville against the against FAMU. The Raptors. Yeah, McCall's sitting there to. like, man, I just lost my house, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't give I me all the info. I can't, I can't right. move again. I right. can't. <laughs> yeah, Jack, I, what you got? You got to you got to go Louisville. I mean, if, listen, if Kenny Payne can't beat FAMU, this shit might be over. I mean, I, like they won't fire him this year, but like you might as well just like fake a back injury or pull a K, whatever you got to do. Just be done. Cause if you can't beat fam, you, who are you beating this year? Nobody, nobody. It's bad. Way, at least, at least Cal's been like somewhat competitive in some of these games, right? Would you give him another year? I tweeted out today that I would absolutely give him one more year. And people were all over my ass Louisville fans saying he shouldn't get another year. A lot of them. I, I would unquestionably give him another year. There's yeah. a couple there are a couple things that go into it. Um, the biggest one is that it is very easy to sit here and say he wasn't left with enough talent. He couldn't go get players out of the portal because of the fact that they had looming uh, NCAA sanctions hanging over their head. Yeah, they didn't get DJ Wagner, but like DJ Wagner was kind of always going to Kentucky. Um, you were playing from behind on that one. Uh, and part of the reason he got the job was to reconnect the uh, older generation of Louisville players back to the program. So the flaw with this team right now, I think, I, I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't think you can have any opinion on whether or not it's the coaching. Cause I don't think there's anything that you can do to win a basketball game as a coach. When you have literally one guard on your roster, it's one guard. And then a guy that was a walk on at Tennessee tech last year. Right. So I, I'm not saying he's done a great job. I'm not saying that you should like you should reward him with another year. I just don't think you can fire a guy after one season when he walked into that, right? Especially when there's so many other things going on. Yeah, a lot of it was his fault, you know, not getting other players to the portal. But ultimately, you, you can't, you know, I always said this, like Sean Kearney was fired years ago at Holy Cross after one year. And you can't fire somebody after one year. You hired him unless he did something off the court to warrant it. Treatment of players, you know, something, you know, something he shouldn't be doing, obviously, you know, illegal or unlawful, whatever. But ultimately, if it's just a, you hired him, you hired him, you got to give him a chance, especially in this day and age. He can flip it quick with the portal. Will he? I don't know if I have faith in Kenny Payne right now being able to do it, but you got to give him another year to try. Yeah, I, I think it's been like this snowball too, right? Like you look at their first three games; they lost all first, all three of those games by one possession. 
So now all of a sudden in the locker room, they're starting to listen, the media, everything it's getting in there. Can they win a game? Can they win a game? Then they go out to Maui, they go 0-3. Now all of a sudden they come back from it's been like this snowball, but it really started like had they won those first three games? Uh, yeah, no, you know, doubt. It, 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 like it's deal. just now it's it's there and they're coming back, then they get you know, boat raced by Maryland and then Miami beats them soundly. And then they, you know, it's just, it's been this snowball, you know, so they've got to just find a way to just block everything out and go out there and compete and get a win. Don't listen to the media. Don't listen to what everyone's saying. How can we focus as a unit and get a win? That's the most important thing. Block everything out. Because now that's all anyone's talking about. When are they going to win? We're talking about right now. When are we going to win? When are they going to win it? And it really started. You look at those first three games, they lose lose them all by one possession. Had they won yeah. those three? I'm not saying they would have got out to Maui and won the tournament, but, right, but even if you three. Yeah, it's totally different right now. If you're, you're you know, you got three wins instead of 0 for right no now. No question. No question. Yeah, if you're sitting at 3-0, and you still got something to play for. When you're sitting at 0-3 and, and you're about to go 0-9, then you're kind of like, fuck, man. Like, what's the And you got to travel to Hawaii? Yeah. At 0-3, you got to travel all the way out there? Yeah, why, why, are we, why are we doing this? What are we doing this for? Uh, for what it's worth, um, Louisville is currently 312th in offensive efficiency on Kempom. That's what happens when you have one guard on your roster. But listen, field68.shop. Check out the merch store. Get your headband Kerr t-shirt. We have a Who's Your Daddy one in there. We have a paint crew one in there for you Purdue fans. The Daddy Brad t-shirt is still in there. We have a good uh, 15 different programs ranked in the top uh, 25 that are represented in the merch store right now. And as always, the Field of 68 Daily, the link is in the description below. Make sure you check that out. It is the best way to stay connected to college basketball on a daily basis every morning, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m., Tap in, you get it directly to your inbox. Go subscribe and be like the other uh, 10,000 people that are currently subscribed to that newsletter. It's the best way to stay connected to the sport of college basketball. So for Coach Matt McCall, for uh, Jeff Goodman, who is apparently back on the Arizona bandwagon, and for our producer, Dagan Hughes, who did not have to hear us talk about Seton Hall today, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again 